We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast, a Chicago Bears podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. That's right. Before we kind of get into things, we have a little bit of announcement to make. Um, The Bear Report podcast has now moved over to Blue Wire, where we've joined a big network and big family of podcasts. We're more than happy to join this network will continue to bring you the latest on the Chicago Bears. We're also very thankful um, for Overtime Media Network for hosting us for the last couple of years. But Aaron and I, Andrew and Usaid, will all be on this podcast here on Blue Wire, and we, and we uh, are pretty damn excited to do so. It's kind of been um, under wraps for the past couple of weeks, but now we can finally announce that uh, we are joining this network. And with that, we have a brand new episode uh, to cover everything Chicago Bears in another press conference. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, how's it going, man? Going all right, man. It's, uh, you know, spring training's in full swing. It's about to start for the NFL. So, I mean, what, what can be better than that? And the weather. I don't know how it is over there, but the weather's warming up over here. It's been a nice change after all the craziness. Yeah, yeah, the weather here, uh, actually, we record this, it's um, Wednesday, and it's, I think it's like 61 right now was the high, so it's actually been pretty nice here, this has been the best day, um, weather-wise, you know, for 2021, but it's supposed to get cold again, so I know you guys are very pretty lucky there, you know, you're around in Texas, a little warmer, but yeah, it, it's still getting there for um, us here. Yeah, and, you know, spring training is getting started, um, and college basketball's in full swing, NBA's in full swing, there's hockey, but we cannot forget the NFL offseason is here as well, and, you know, with the new league year starting later this month, things are going to start picking up, and we've seen rumors, and we've already seen a couple of players traded, you know, we, we've seen a few quarterbacks actually switching teams already, you know, earlier this year, it's just going to pick up, and I have a feeling the end of this month is going to get kind of crazy here in terms of free agency. Yeah, well, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, and, and we're kind of starting to see some of the reports kind of go around that, I mean, over the next week or so, I mean, we got, I mean, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Technically, the, you know, the actual new league year starts two weeks from today. <clears throat> but it obviously, just like any other year, 
free agency truly starts when the the legal negotiation period opens, which is Monday at 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So, I mean, we're we're less than two weeks away from everything starting. I mean, the the ninth is the basically last day that you can tag players. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of reports that there's going to be a lot of guys getting cut. I mean, we've kind of already seen it um, here and there with you know a few different players over the last few days. Gabe Jackson from the Raiders got cut today. Uh, you know, there's there's been a you know a, a multitude of different names that have been cut. I mean, even guys that you know had had been somewhat productive. I mean, Kyle Van Noy was one year into his deal with Miami, and he just got cut. So it's going to be, man, it's going to be interesting because if you, I mean, you can go on the, the you know over the cap and look, and I mean, there's a lot of teams right now that are hovering dangerously right around what the cap is projected at. I think over the cap has it at like 180 million and a half or something like that. I I think that's what it is. And the expectation, at least from what Ryan Pace said yesterday is it's going to sit right around 180. So anywhere from 180 to 185 would be my guess. But right there, I mean, you got, you're talking about half the league that's going to have either $10 million in cap space or less, at least as of right now, as we're recording this, obviously cuts are going to happen, but the reality of it is going into an off season, I mean, even if you're going to do very bare minimum, I mean, you probably still need in this day and age, you probably need 15 to $20 million to work with because I mean, you got draft class, you got in season spending, uh, you've got, you know, filling out those last two spots, you know, right now it's going to be the rule of 51 and it's got to go to 53. Then you got to, you know, you got to be able to compensate for uh, practice squad and everything else. I mean, you're talking 15, $20 million just to be able to do very, very bare minimum. And you look at a team like the Bears that are hovering right there, they're going to have to make some moves. They already made one move with Buster Screen. But I think ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of vets and some surprising names get cut. And because there's only like five or six teams that have over $40 million in cap space right now, you're going to see, you know, and a lot of those teams aren't very good outside of maybe the Colts. Uh, you're going to see a lot of guys that are going to have to sign these one-year kind of pillow uh, deals is what they call them in, you know, in baseball. And that's pretty much what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of these one-year deals. And you're going to see a lot of players, especially when the money dries up. And the money's going to dry up quick. You're going to see a lot of these guys basically saying, okay, well, you know, maybe i got to sign for less, but I'm going to go to a contender where, you know, there's going to be more eyes on me and I can have a better season. And I, it's going to be very interesting to see – and it could be wrong, but I think it's going to be a very, very top-heavy year for the NFL after this offseason, after everything else that goes on. I mean, it's just going to be crazy because, I mean, Miami's one of those teams that you could see probably flip from, you know, worst to first pretty quickly just because, I mean, they've got pretty high draft picks. Um, you know, they, they're obviously – looking at different quarterbacks to see what's going on there, but they have a lot of money as well. I mean, there's, you know, the Jets are kind of the same way. I mean, there's, there's different teams out there. They're going to be able to do different things, but for the most part, a lot of teams are hovering right now as we speak. Um, like I said, half the leagues at $10 million or under, I mean, there's, there's 11 teams in the NFL right now, I guess 12 now considering the bears just made their, made their five uh, exclusive rights signings today to get them over that 51 mark. There's 12 teams right now that have negative cap space. Obviously they have to resolve that before the new league year starts, or at least projected to. So it's just something to keep in mind. This is going to be a very, very different off season from what we've seen because of what, you know, the effects from COVID and everything else. I mean, the TV deals can only go so far and usually with the flat cap teams are in some trouble. And now you're talking about cutting anywhere from 10 to $15 million from what it was last year 
it's man, it's it's going to be messy. There's going to be a lot of interesting things going on. I think you're going to see a lot of different teams. Maybe some of those young teams. We just kind of saw it with JJ Watt. The same thing where you may see, you know, as as things go on, there's going to be some good veterans probably signing for well below market value, especially for what's going on right now. Yeah, and a lot of teams are going to have to make, you know, probably some difficult decisions or get kind of creative um, with the cap to kind of free up some cap space. Maybe by, you know, let's say moving some money down the line um, on some players' deals. We've seen Ryan Pace do it in the past where he's kind of converted money um, to go against the cap in later years to kind of free up some cap space, um, you know, this year to use or to use right away. So a lot of those moves will be made. Um, I think there'll be a lot of surprise cuts. I know there was the tweet out today. I can't remember the reporter. But um, she said that she got a text from an NFL coach or someone close to a coach that said uh, there's going to be a lot of, like, surprise cuts and there'll be, a, there'll be, you know, like mayhem come next week. And I think we're kind of headed for that because, like you said, the, the instances that we're in right now, the, the whole COVID thing going on right now and the cap space being around that $180 million, it's going to create, you know, kind of some havoc in the NFL free agency world. And, you know, there's players that are probably going to go into the free agency and have a rude awakening thinking they might get a certain amount of money and might have to settle for less. And that would be kind of interesting to see, you know, in terms of who signs where and, and what teams kind of look at the potential, you know, future ramifications with cap space down the line if, if they maybe they don't want to send these mega deals. I mean, we've seen in the past where, where players have waited and waited and waited to sign mega deals and actually taken less. So I, I think that could be um, a big factor as well. It's just going to be a wild one. And, you know, for a team like the Chicago Bears, a team where they're entering a very important offseason with a regime who – you know, needs to win and needs to win right now and dethrone the Green Bay Packers and win a playoff game. They're going to have to get kind of, you know, creative to fill some of these needs. And they're going to be a team to kind of follow here in this offseason. And when we look at it, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy kind of spoke for the first time since their quote-unquote collaboration meeting back in January. And this one was a little different on Tuesday afternoon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan Pace met the media first at 3 o'clock. Then we kind of had like a little intermission where Matt Nagy um, then met the media at 4 o'clock, and it was just them alone 
one by one going rather than, you know, what we saw in January where all four, including George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, were going at the same time. It was kind of interesting. But looking at this presser, um, Aaron, you know, we really shouldn't have expected much. I think a lot of people kind of I, – and I saw this – when I say a lot of people, I saw this on Twitter a lot where people were like, well, well, that was a waste of a press conference. Why the heck did they do that? Ryan Pace wasn't offering anything of substance, and he never does. This is a press conference that kind of you know took over the NFL scouting combine press conference because they do meet the media at the scouting combine in Indianapolis, and with that canceled this year, you know they had to um, kind of reschedule those meetings and host them on their own as, as NFL franchises have been doing all week. I just, I mean, I don't know about you, but I really didn't expect Ryan Pace to say anything crazy either. This is nothing new. Just like you said, this is nothing new. Here, here's the difference. This is the only difference. People are finally fed up with Ryan Pace, so he's not getting that leash like he has in years past. I mean, the reality of it is Ryan Pace, the reason, let's just put it this way, the reason that the media tends to go, national media tends to go after a guy like Ryan Pace and tends to love a guy like Chris Ballard is because Chris Ballard is open and Ryan Pace doesn't give you anything. He doesn't give insiders anything. That's the reason that a lot of the national narrative around Ryan Pace is what it is. I mean, outside of it being justified in some ways. I mean, this is just how the Bears operate, how the Bears organization operates now. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's 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 kind of counterproductive to me because I saw a lot of people, not even really fans, more, you know, certain, certain people, let's put it this way, certain people that, you know, were – didn't have to cover it and we're covering it and then bitching about it the entire time. It's like, okay, well, but the thing is, is this is what Ryan Pace does. I mean, this is just, this is how the bears organization is run now. I mean, John Fox came in, locked things down even more. The McCaskies had wanted it that way for a while. They went along with it. Ryan Pace embraced it. Here we are. Here's the other part of that too. It does, it does absolutely no good for the bears right now to give away anything that they're doing. I mean, obviously I, I think there's some things that you can, you can draw from yesterday's press conference. One of them being, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm sure you agree with me. I mean, at this point, I'd be shocked if Allen Robinson isn't tagged. I mean, obviously he didn't yeah. outward, you know, he didn't outright come out and say that, but you know, and then I think, you know, there's, there's definitely other things that you can kind of look at and say, okay, you know, the, there were certain guys that he singled out and, you know, kind of, you know, name dropped. And it basically, you know, a lot of that was special teams and Cordero Patterson. And there's a few different guys. But for the most part, again, I mean, this is just what, what's he going to do? He's going to do is he going to come out and say, yeah, you know, we're really, really trying to get Deshaun Watson. or We're really trying to get Russell Wilson. He can't do that. They're all under contract. What is he going to do? Is he going to divulge their draft plans? Is he going to tell everybody, well, if we can't get one of the good guys and then we're going to trade everything that we have and we're going to go up and we're going to get one of these top five quarterbacks. It just, it doesn't, it, we're at that point right now where I think a lot of fans and justifiably so a lot of fans are on edge because of the quarterback situation. I mean, you can just look at the timeline. I mean, m multiple people have posted the timeline of the quarterback rumors and everything else and how everything's developed. Everybody's on edge over the quarterback thing. Everybody's on edge because frankly, they were eight and eight shouldn't have been in the playoffs. They got in the playoffs and then they got beat in the first round. And they're also on edge because, I mean, really, we haven't seen Bears football in almost two months now. And, you know, we're we're getting kind of to that low point right before. This is usually where everything gets bridged in terms of the combine. Um, and with the combine not happening and the rumors not really flying, uh, there's not a lot to grasp onto right now. And I think there's just an overwhelming um, lack of patience with fans. And, again, it's completely justifiable. I get it. I mean, this is this is not a normal offseason season. 
there's a lot riding on this offseason because I think Bears fans understand right now. I mean, this is just a situation. If the Bears don't get the quarterback situation right, we're in for a lot of, uh, really a lot of bad football come 2021, you know, come September. And we're also in for a massive, massive changeover. And for as exciting as that offseason as that can be, the changing of the guard isn't a good sign for a franchise, especially when they've done it as much as the Bears. So, I mean, ultimately, everybody wants to see the team win. Everybody wants to see them be Super Bowl contenders. We all know the path to get to to get them to being a Super Bowl contender, and that all starts at the quarterback position. And until that gets figured out and until we start seeing some of these other moves, I mean, they've only made one cut with Buster Screen. I mean, they haven't really done anything. Um, again, you know, the same thing with Allen Robinson. We won't even know until the ninth. Um, which is basically, you know, it'll be next, what, next Tuesday, yeah, uh, whether or not he's tagged. Every, every, ta- every team's going to do the same thing. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, it's a low per- period right now, but we can't pretend like this doesn't happen every single year. The only difference is they were doing it from Hallis Hall and not at the Combine. Yeah, and, you know, I do think that it is fair to say that the first press conference in January kind of left a, a sour taste in everyone's mouth and, you know, rightfully so. I think, you know, the media in Chicago did a really good job of um, drilling McCaskey and Phillips and Pace and Nagy, and I think a lot of fans expected, you know, there to be changes. And let's be 100% honest, that that press conference in January was, was just not a good look for the Bears. It was a lot of collaboration talk, really didn't provide many stable answers for what, you know, Bears fans want, and that's a solution. However, you know, this is the same thing. I mean, Ryan Pace has done this. If you listen to the press conferences at the scouting combine, if you listen to the press conferences, you know, after the draft, before the draft, during the draft, he doesn't say much. They keep everything under wraps. And it's kind of the same with a lot of other NFL teams as well. I I know a lot of people like to get on Ryan Pace for not meeting the media in the middle of the season, and sure, rightfully so. There aren't a lot of general managers that do that anyway. Ryan Pace lays out his media availability. You know what you're getting from Ryan Pace at the beginning of the year. In normal years, you pretty much know what you're getting. You're getting the four to five chances to talk to him. You're going to talk to him at the end of the season. You're going to talk to him before the, or at the scouting combine. You're going to talk to him before the draft. You're going to talk to him during the draft slash after the draft. And then you're going to talk to him once kind of before the season starts. So there's, there's your four to five chances to talk to him. And this has been like that since he's been here, so so nothing new. In terms of the actual press conference, you know, the Bears, and you touched on this as well, they can't say, you know, Matt Nagy can't say, yeah, we are, we're, we're trying to go after Russell Wilson, we're trying to go after Deshaun Watson, because those players are under contract, and, and you just can't do it, it's against the rules. So you weren't going to get much from there either. The one, you know, thing I did see, and I had, you know, a couple takeaways was, and you, you brought it up, Allen Robinson is probably going to be a bear here in 2021, and I would be absolutely shocked if Chicago did not use one of the tags on him. I I don't know if they'll get the long-term deal done right away, but I think, you know, when it comes down to it, we're going to see the news that, whether it is next week, you know, that the Bears have tagged Allen Robinson and then try to work out some sort of deal um, in terms of getting a long-term deal done or potentially trading the, him if they have to. But from yesterday's press conference with, with Ryan Pacing, we want our, our, our best players here playing for us on our roster. It kind of just told me a little light went off in my head, and I know you probably felt the exact same way. Allen Robinson is more likely going to be here in 2021. Well, yeah, you know, it's – 
it's one of those things I think so many people overcomplicate things. And this is coming from more of a national perspective because I've seen free agent lists and all this stuff that don't expect Robinson to get tagged. It's like the entire objective of this offseason for the Bears is to vastly improve the offense. You do not start by doing that and letting go your best offensive weapon. It just doesn't make any sense, you know, and it's it's one of those things, and I get it, man, because I, I, I have to admit, I mean, Robinson has been ridiculously, him and his agent have been ridiculously annoying on Twitter. The constant cryptic tweets and, the you know, the constant whatever he's liking and people tracking, it is what it is. Here's the thing. I feel for him because, I mean, we kind of saw the same thing last year, and I think luckily it's going to end up working out for Dak Prescott. But we see it where, you know, these guys get tagged. They get the one-year guaranteed money. It's good money. Don't get me wrong. It, it is even with how things have worked out because Robinson actually made more than the tag was going to be. It's going to be 120% of that, which is ultimately going to end up equaling out right around $18 million. Uh, it's still slightly below market value for him. I'd say he's probably sitting right in the 19 to $21 million a year range. Uh, you know, and, and I get it. I mean, there's some risk involved because, you know, it, I mean, and we've seen it multiple times in the past, even, you know, not same situation, but even with a guy like Cam Meredith, where your career trajectory can vastly change with one injury and your career can never be the same with one injury. I, I understand that 100%. But the thing is, we're coming off a very, very new CBA where the Players Association that represent the players kept the franchise tag in there. I understand it's a negotiation. I understand there was multiple factors. It's part of a brand new CBA. If you get tagged, you get tagged. Deal with it. It's just that simple, man. And it's like, and like you said, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, there's no hell. There's no way in hell that you could just see from what uh, Brandon Parker is agent saying and what Robinson is saying on Twitter, there's no way in hell they're getting a deal done for, you know, the, the tag deadline. But then after that, then they'll have until the middle of July to get something worked out. And, may, and, and here's the thing. I mean, the, the reality of it is the bears don't have a quarterback right now. Allen Robinson has played with terrible quarterbacks. Allen Robinson is absolutely worth $20 million a year. And Allen Robinson absolutely should be paid his market value from the Chicago bears because the bears need him and he's their best offensive player. With that being said, I think that a lot of this is in flux right now because of the quarterback situation. If they get, let's just hypothetically speaking, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Hypothetically speaking, if they got a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, I can guarantee you right now, Allen Robinson's entire mindset will change because then all of a sudden you're saying, okay, I can get paid. I could stay in Chicago because Chicago's still where he wants to be. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Ryan Pace has messed this up in more ways than one. It's still confusing to me how you give Tariq Cohen a contract. I understand it's not the same money, but you give Tariq Cohen a contract, but you don't give Allen Robinson a contract. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But either way, you bring in a guy like Deshaun Watson or you bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, all of a sudden – you're you're in the mix. I'm not going to say that they're Super Bowl contenders because I think they would need a few more moves. I think there's definitely some other moves that they're going to have to make, especially on the offense. I mean, they're lacking in in you know certain areas, but it's the right step in the right direction. And I think the quarterback situation as a whole completely changes that. And I think with a guy like Robinson, he's been very open about it. I mean, he's talked about it multiple times. He feels like he earned a long term deal. I 100% agree with Allen Robinson. He has 100% earned a, a new deal like i said 20 21 million dollars a year whatever i don't care i mean he earned that money he is one of the best 10 or 15 receivers in the league which is saying a lot because there's a lot of good receivers right now he is in that echelon maybe he's not elite at anything but he's really damn good and he is one of the top receivers in the league but it's 
it's just a tough situation. It, it's 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 frustrating for fans because it's again you you see what his agent's saying, you see what he's saying, you, you know, you see what he's liking, you see what he's retweeting, you see what he's tweeting at people and then deleting 15 minutes later. You know, I understand the frustration, uh, but at the same time, it's one of those things where a lot of teams are in flux right now. And I understand if if Allen Robinson hit the market, if he if he would magically somehow hit the market, he didn't get tagged and he hit the market, he's gone. And he's going to get – he can basically he, – he can write his own check at that point. I understand that completely. But it's also a situation where this is a business. This has been collectively bargained. And if the Bears tag him, the Bears are going to tag him. And then at that point, then maybe there's more – there's a little bit more wiggle room on both sides for, you know, both sides to say, okay, let's, let's find a way to meet in the middle. And again, I think a lot of that is going to come down to what happens at the quarterback position. Cause I can tell you right now, and I'd be the same way if I was Robinson, if they go into the year with, you know, the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft and Nick Foles is their, you know, their top two options or Alex Smith and Nick Foles are their top two options. I wouldn't sign anything either. I mean, you're, if you're trying to win something and you're trying to get paid in the process, I mean, that's not the best way to do it. Yeah, and, and Robinson, if you've listened in the past, throughout the season, he said, you know, he's he's been very vocal about staying in Chicago and how much he loves the city and how much he loves the franchise. And I'm with you. You can't blame him for wanting to go out and get his money. It's not like the Bears haven't had a chance over the past year plus here to work out a deal and sign him. And part of me wants to think maybe Ryan Pace doesn't value the wide receiver position as much as we thought. I um, mean, you look at – you have guys like Javon Williams and Anthony Miller getting ejected twice this season for boneheaded mistakes. They're still on the roster as of now. You have a, a star wide receiver, a finally number one wide receiver that wants a long-term deal, has expressed that he wants to be here for the long term. You couldn't get a deal done, and now you're kind of facing this situation going into free agency, although the Bears do pretty much have the leverage because they could just tag him. It's like, and then you look, and there's that stat out today that Ryan Pace has spent you know, the, the three of the top ten richest contracts since like 2016 among tight ends joining new teams and free agency, and three of them have been with the Bears. It's like if Ryan Pace maybe put a focus on the receiver position as much as he did at the tight end position, this would kind of be a different story, and maybe and maybe Robinson would get it done. Maybe Ryan Pace just thinks, and, and you know, if it is, you know, kudos to him. This is how he thinks. Maybe he thinks wide receiver position is just very easy to find and, and replace. Maybe he thinks, hey, I've hit on Allen Robinson once. You know, I, it looks like I've hit on Darnell Mooney. Anthony Miller had a good first season. Maybe there's a little talent there. Maybe I don't need to pay attention. I, I wouldn't advise that because I, I don't think it's been very good outside of Allen Robinson and now um, uh, potentially Darnell Mooney. It just odds me. It just kind of feels like he just the wide receiver position is not a very important one for his offense. One position that, you know, is important and we all know is arguably the biggest need for the Bears this offseason and, and the one position they got to fix, and he touched on it a little bit, it's quarterback. And for the second straight press conference, Ryan Pace has said, look, everything is on the table for the quarterback position. Um, while they couldn't get into specifics with certain players, he was actually asked about Mitchell Trubisky as well and didn't rule out a return. Um, on that note, I'd still be very shocked if Mitch Trubisky returns. I, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think you can bring him. I think it's just time to move on. Can't really bring him back in a one-year deal and kind of run this thing back all over again. I don't think Matt Nagy wants that either. But with everything on the table, for me, obviously the big home run is Wilson and Watson. However, you know, Pace did say, you know, maybe there's some stuff going on in the background that hasn't been made public yet. 
And that kind of led me to think to maybe some potential moves they could make. I keep going to Matt Ryan, which is one that has not really been public yet. It, you know, Derek Carr has kind of been out there in trade rumors. Not fully public, and it doesn't look like Las Vegas wants to move on from him. But it, it seems like the Bears are going to go kind of one or two options here. They're going to go with Nick Foles and a rookie, potentially Alex Smith and a rookie. So one veteran and a rookie. Or they might go make a move and just try to get a veteran like uh, Matt Ryan and then also draft, you know, someone later on in the draft. When you heard kind of, Aaron, that, that, that comment of maybe there's other things going on in the background, was that kind of just, you know, Pace maybe covering his tracks and not a big storyline idea? Or, I mean, do you think it was on Good Morning Football this morning for nine minutes, a nine-minute segment? Or do you think that was kind of warranted uh, the attention that he said that? Well, I, I think right now, you know, again, this is all lawyer speak, essentially. I mean, everything's on the table. Is it, though? Is it really on the – is everything on the table right now? Are you really going to go off and sign some crap quarterback and and, and, and think that's going to be the – I mean, really, within reason, everything's on the table. I I mean, it may, uh, you, you've you already said it, and I'll say it, and I, I think we both agree with this. I mean, Trubisky's not coming back. I mean, and it's again, that's a two-way road because the Bears are clearly not going to tag Trubisky. And Trubisky has to want to come back, even if the Bears want to. Why the hell would he want to? Exactly. Why the hell would either side want want each other back at this point? I mean, so I I think it simply comes down to this, and this is something you know. I wrote that column. I think it was last week, and this is the situation that the Bears are currently in. Because, like you pointed out, it doesn't look like Derek Carr is available. You know, and, and you really start looking at a lot of these options. Okay, so the top three names that would make this team quite a bit better. Uh, right away would be obviously Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. Okay, here's the thing: like as much talk as there's been about those three guys, especially Wilson and Watson, as of right now, none of those teams have shown any inclination whatsoever that they're going to deal any of those guys. Okay, so you know it's one of those situations. Okay, you could go out and you could sign somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you could go out and you could sign somebody like Alex Smith and say, okay, now, you know, you go into the draft and, you know, maybe you get more aggressive or you kind of let something follow you. I don't think letting something follow you is going to be the answer. But ultimately what this is coming down to is unless somehow magically Dak Prescott does not get tagged, and by all accounts it sounds like he's going to get tagged, unless he does not get tagged, then the Bears have to be patient because Sam Darnold's not your answer. I can tell you that right now. Sam Darnold is the one guy that – you know, there's been kind of floating around. I mean, it, people talked about how big of a chance Wentz would have been. Darnold has never been good at the NFL level. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that. If you go back and you look at his numbers and you look at what he's actually done over his first three years in the league, he's been worse than Trubisky. Now, you can say that he has a higher ceiling, that you liked him better as a prospect, that he came from a worse situation. Those are all very valid things. But with that being said, if you're going off of actual track records through three or four years in the league – Trubisky has had better performances and has been more consistent, as weird as that is to say, than a guy like Sam Darnold, which, again, what does that leave you with? Okay, maybe Marcus Mariota gets cut. Is that the guy? Is that really the guy that basically the – I mean, Mariota basically got Trubisky. The only difference was is that Tennessee had another option in Ryan Tannehill that they were able to keep under contract last year and get signed, and, you know, they've been better off for it. So, again, you start looking at these situations and you, you start going down the list – 
where, you know, Cam Newton doesn't make a ton of sense. Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he had a pretty good start to the year and kind of fell off. And, I mean, Carolina is trying everything that they can right now desperately to improve their quarterback position. So I can that kind of tells you it's like if Carolina, that wasn't that good last year, doesn't want Teddy Bridgewater, then why would that be a, a big enough improvement for the Bears to be able to save jobs? So really, when you start running through all the different options that come available you have to wait it out. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. The Bears have to be patient. As much as that is going to pain fans, the Bears have to be patient because you brought up a guy like Matt Ryan. The only way Matt Ryan is getting dealt is on draft night. If if it comes down to Atlanta trading up for quarterback or Atlanta, you know, get, being in a position to get one of those NFL-ready quarterbacks, and I don't think Trey Lance is that guy, but if they end up landing one of those NFL-ready quarterbacks that they view NFL-ready and they say, okay, cool, now we can deal with Matt Ryan for a second or third-round pick. They take a decent amount of cap hit on that, but then it's easier for them to do. But until that point, you start looking at some of these teams, okay? Even Sam Darnold right now, it's like, okay, the Jets have the second pick, but until they make up their mind, he's probably not going to be available. Then you start going down the list and you start looking at other teams. San Francisco may be in the, in the running for a quarterback. But are they really going to move on from Jimmy G until they have another option? That's what I'm saying. So you start looking at all these different names, and none of those are overly inspiring. I think Matt Ryan's probably the best out of all those guys, and even he's starting to show his age a little bit. And then, again, you've got Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Those are the kind of things that are not going, and Ian Rappaport and a bunch of other people have reported this, those are the kind of guys that are not going to get moved at the drop of a hat. It's just not going to happen anytime soon. You, you have to be patient. You have to have plans. And I think when Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy talk about everything being on the table, I think that they have formulated the plan to where, you know, there is a decently realistic shot, and I hate to be this person, but there's a decently realistic shot that the Bears could end up standing there at the beginning of May looking at their roster being like, oh, my God, we don't have a quarterback. We have Nick Foles, and we have, you know, a third or fourth round pick that we made because all the quarterbacks didn't fall to us and nothing happened the way it happened. But more than likely, if they're patient enough, they don't rush into a decision, there's going to be somebody with at least upside that will improve, I don't know how much, but will improve the quarterback position enough. And right now, a lot of those options aren't presenting themselves because, again, all those those trade you know those, those trade targets you know even the even the potential trade targets that nobody's really thinking about none of those guys are going to be available until it gets close to the draft or on draft night. So really, what this is going to come down to for the Bears, they know what they have to improve. They got a few spots defensively where they got to figure some things out. They're going to be losing some guys. Who do they bring back? Uh, what do they do with Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller? Then you look at the offensive side. You've got to get, you've got to upgrade a tackle. I mean, you've got to find a way to upgrade a tackle. I don't know how you're going to do that. You've got to find a way to make the offensive line better. Uh, depending on what goes on with Jimmy Graham, you may have to do something at tight end. There's going to be some decent names out there that aren't going to break the bank that could make some sense. Receiver is going to be another one. I mean, assuming even if they have Allen Robinson, I think you've, you've got to at least look to improve there. There are different, there, there's still other areas of this roster that need to be improved where you're not going to blow a ton of resources in doing so, and you can still be in the position to be able to make your move at quarterback when it falls to you. But again, the Bears are in a position right now because of how everything has played out, how slow everything has played out, to where the Bears are just going to have to be patient. And my my gut feeling says if the Bears play this right, and I think they played it right with the Carson Wentz thing, if they continue to play this right, if they continue to be patient, if they continue to actually look for a real upgrade instead of you know an upside gamble like a Darnold or somebody like that, 
I think that ultimately something will fall into their lap and they won't end up paying a King's ransom for it unless it's somebody like, you know, Watson or Wilson, which still seems somewhat unlikely to me. But I think there's going to be some options that present themselves either close to the draft or on draft night that are going to be much better options than what the Bears are looking at right now. I really do hope they kind of go out and trade for or trade a King's ransom for um, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson just because, you know, I think that's the move to kind of maybe save Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I I don't like this plan of just going into this offseason with – or going into the season with Nick Foles or Alex Smith and then a rookie quarterback. I, I just don't think it makes sense. The optics just aren't right for it in terms of saving your, your franchise – or saving the spot here you have in your franchise. Otherwise, you're going to be fired. Right. Uh, Matt Nagy really wanted um, Nick Foles, and he got him. And, and you look at Matt Nagy, he wasn't able to turn Mitch Trub- or help Mitch Trubisky take that next step in his development. And then last season with Nick Foles, Nick Foles wasn't very good in the games that he came in. So I, I just this whole idea of running it back with these guys just makes no sense to me. So you know, selfishly, I just kind of hope they take that big swing. I mean, if you have to trade the draft capital, go ahead and do it. At least you're taking a chance on a quarterback. I, I know a lot of people are against that because they. They kind of want to make sure that, you know, the draft capital is there in the coming years. But in a way, you know, I, I feel like the fans and some media members as well, and myself too sometimes, overvalue first-round picks. I mean, yeah, they're, they're good when they're in the top five, top ten. You want to have them there. Once you're outside the top ten even, it, it just feels like, you know, they might not be worth as much. And especially, you look at a team like the Rams. They're picking outside the top 15 every year, and they haven't had a first-round pick in, um, you know, what, five, six years, and they won't have one for another couple of years. So I, I think the NFL might be shifting to a, a, a way where teams just really don't value first-round picks um, as much, and it could be trending that way. And if that's the case, I mean, why not take the big swing? But that's just me. I, I prefer Wilson and Watson. I, I'd even take Derek Carr. But, you know, as we said on this podcast here, it really doesn't look like any of those three are going to be available right away. And then if you want a Matt Ryan, he's going to be traded on draft type. The, the Falcons have the number four overall pick. They might take a quarterback, and if they do, they could part ways there with Matt Ryan. So that could be an option for the Bears. But as it stands now, I, I still stand by it's going to be Nick Foles, and it's going to be a, a, a rookie, or it could be another veteran and a rookie. And that's just not the route I really want them to go. And it's not even like the, the, the sexy route either. It's just, hey, let's try to run him back with Nick Foles. If he's not good, we'll throw our rookie into the mix and, and see what he's got. The only – Rookie, I would kind of feel comfortable, and they're not getting Trevor Lawrence. They're probably not going to get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. And I know you mentioned his name earlier as you're not a fan of him. I think that rookie right there that would make that situation a little better would be Trey Lance just because there is some upside there, and maybe he would be fun to kind of see what you got and watch. But you're going to be trading up into the top ten, potentially top eight to draft him. So. Well, to be fair, I, I like Trey Lance, but I think Trey Lance needs to follow – the Patrick Mahomes type yeah. developmental plan where he's not in my, he's definitely not a week one starter in my yes. opinion. And I don't think he's, he's a year one starter either. And I think rushing him would be really bad for his development. No, I like him a yeah. lot. But okay. I, yeah. I just, I just, yeah. I don't like, I don't like him in, in the Bears situation of, <laughs> of when now is really what it comes to. Oh yeah. And, and I agree. And I, I, to be honest, I don't think any of those quarterbacks fit that situation either. Unless you're maybe Trevor Lawrence, um, to come in and start week one. So, yeah, man, it's just the, the quarterback situation, it's just it's brutal, and it's 
if they only had, you know, if we could go back in time to 2017, and if Ryan Pace would have just sat down and talked to Deshaun Watson, and maybe he wins him over, and the Bears take Watson and don't trade off their draft picks, you know, we wouldn't be really talking about this. Um, but, Aaron, in terms of other things with this press conference, you know, as we said, everything was just kind of just, you know, very vanilla. Um, there was some small news that Cleo Mack and Jalen Johnson wouldn't need surgery on their um, injuries, which was good news because Johnson's dealing with that soldier, shoulder, not soldier, shoulder injury. And Cleo Mack has kind of just been beat up all year. He's got the back, the, the hand injury I think he had, and, and an ankle injury as well. So with no surgery with them, that's that's um, good news. But, you know, Ryan Pace, he did talk about his defense being a strength. And I agree. I, you know, I, it's, I'm glad that he recognizes that he can admit that the defense is a strength. He also said the coaching staff is a strength, which um, I don't know. That's kind of, for me, that's a little hit or miss. Um, but in terms of that coaching staff, you know, the Bears, since last time we've um, had this podcast, they made a couple of hires. And one of those hires was Tom Herman from Texas. And I, and I thought it was a very interesting one. Um, you know, a guy that's really never had any coaching experience at the NFL level. He's going to come in. And, and for me, I kind of feel like it's just, you know, it is an advisor role. He's going to kind of have um, a say in kind of what goes on, maybe offers input in the offense. And Matt Nagy was actually asked if he'd be at House Hall. He is going to be at House Hall, so he not will he will not just be from the outside looking in. I I just don't know how to feel how I feel about this. I, correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I think this is kind of just one of those. Hey, I scratch your back now. I'll bring you in, give you a year of NFL experience. Maybe you scratch my back later on down the line. Yeah, it could be the case. I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's funny because everybody reacted the same way. It's an interesting move. It's an interesting move because Herman at one point was viewed as a rising college head coaching candidate. I mean, he was one of those guys that he did really good things with Houston. He got that Texas job and just fell flat on his face. And coming from an Oklahoma fan, I saw quite a bit of, you know, what Herman was able to do in those four years with Texas. It was not very good. Um, It's also interesting to me because there were a lot – of former players that came out basically said they did not like him at all. So it's going to be interesting because one of the things that was asked yesterday in the press conference, and I want to say it was Patrick Finley. I could be wrong on this. He basically asked if Herman was actually going to be in the building or if it was going to be like a true advisory role where he, you know, still lived in Texas or wherever he lives. I don't know exactly where he lives. And, you know, and basically just kind of popped in from time to time and, and, and Nagy confirmed, he said, no, he's going to be in the building. So you know, I, I don't know if this is kind of Nagy reaching back out and saying, okay, you know, we want to add some more, you know, college level stuff and maybe, you know, depending on how things go, maybe, you know, move him into a different role because as we've seen over the last few years, I mean, the, the offensive, well, the coaching staff as a whole, especially the offensive coaching staff has had a lot of turnover. I mean, it's just how it is. Either guys get hired away, they get fired, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's one of those things, if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have been like, wow, this is actually a really good move. But obviously things kind of blew up a little bit at Texas Forum. There wasn't a lot of rave reviews um, from his former players. So I don't know if this is just Herman's way of, you know, I don't even know what their connection is really. I don't know if this is just a way for Herman to kind of get, you know, a year of experience under his belt at the NFL level and then maybe jump on a, you know, a head coaching spot and back in the college ranks next year or what the deal is, but it's definitely interesting because, I mean, he is a good offensive mind. I mean, he has done some good things at the college level as a head coach. I mean, there's a lot of high expectations at the University of Texas, but, I mean, 
really the University of Texas hasn't been very good in a while. I mean, this you know maybe this is a little bias coming from an Oklahoma fan, but I mean. It's just it's kind of one of those things it's like USC, right, where every single coach that steps in at USC, everybody's like, oh, well, they got to live up to so-and-so. they got to live up, you know, Pete Carroll, blah, blah, blah. And it never ends up working out that way. And then all of a sudden they're viewed as, you know, just some diseased guy that nobody wants to touch. Maybe that's the same thing with Herman. Maybe he comes up to the NFL level and maybe he's a better coach at the NFL level. Uh, maybe it's going to be easier you know, for him dealing with, you know, older, older players versus kids, you know, straight out of high school. I don't know, but you know, I I don't think it hurts anything by any means, but it's going to be interesting to see if he ends up really having any influence in what they're doing. Because I mean, as we know, man, I mean, the offense needs to change. The offense needs to get better. There's a lot of things different that need to happen on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, You know, Herman is not a bad offensive mind by any means. It's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, they already kind of tried that with Helfrich where they kind of blended in the, uh, the college side of things with the pro side. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be, it would be interesting to hear what their actual plans are for him and why they actually hired him outside of the coach speech that the coach speech that Nagy gave to us yesterday. I'm glad you brought Mark Helfrich up because I was going to ask you, does this kind of feel like the Mark Helfrich signing of a couple of years ago? And then when we went back to that, uh, when Nagy brought him in on staff as the offensive coordinator, you know, it, it was pretty much his schemes, his, his, you know, routes and all that stuff he could, he could develop and call and, and all that thing and all that stuff. And Helfrich really, you know, he had the titles offensive coordinator, but honestly, I mean, he was just kind of more of the advisor type role, another mind in the room. He was never, you know, calling plays or anything like that. It does kind of feel like that a little bit, um, but I, I don't know with Herman how, you know, his game is going to transfer over to the NFL game as well. Um, because like you said, I mean, he was thought of there as a big offensive mind in the college game after he had, you know, that, that run there with Houston and then took the, took the, um, the university of Texas job. He kind of just all went downhill. He did have Sam Ellinger, a pretty good college quarterback, but he didn't really kind of put it together at Texas and it just kind of all fell apart for, for him. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, and, you know, I just I keep thinking the Bears keep adding these minds, these quarterback minds, and we really haven't seen good quarterback play um, since Matt Nagy's got here. And to be honest, you know, I would argue the offense has regressed since Matt Nagy's been here. I don't think it's actually gotten better at all, which is another topic that you know what has kind of gone wrong. You know, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? Is it, is this a, one of those cases? I don't know. We'll see it play out, but we could be seeing maybe, you know, maybe Herman is trying to get into the NFL and this is a way for him to kind of get his feet wet and um, kind of get a little experience. And, you know, maybe down the line, he does a favor some, for some other coaches on the staff. The other assistant um, that we should talk about before we wrap things up is uh, Mike Petton, who joined uh, the, the defensive staff kind of as that advisor, you know, someone for Deshaun Desai to kind of ask questions and, and offers input as well. And Petten spent the last couple of years in Green Bay um, where, you know, they, they they reached the NFC Championship game two years in a row, but, you know, their defense kind of really struggled down the stretch. And they've had playmakers on their defense, but Petten could just never really seem to put it together with that talent. Now, this is going to be kind of more of that, that veteran role. He does have NFL experience, so he is a guy that, you know, first-year – defensive coordinator Sean Desai can go to and one of the things you know I pointed out when talking to someone the other day if you listen to Desai's press conference that he had two weeks ago he talked a lot about learning 
from previous defensive coordinators, learning, you know, from um, Mel Tucker, learning from Chuck Pagano, learning from Vic Fangio and how much those guys taught him. I think it has made sense when a guy like Mike Patton's available, you kind of bring him in as, as maybe a little bit of a security blanket so that Desai, you know, isn't, um, how do I put it? Not maybe like not so overwhelmed early. It didn't really sound like this. I would be overwhelmed, but you know, in case he needed someone to to kind of pick his brain a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's I, I, again, I like the I like the this eye higher, and I, I think you know a lot of people are going to focus on what Petten did in Green Bay, and really, I mean, if if you look at what Petten did with the defense. Maybe he was a little underwhelming, but it wasn't like those defenses were bad, especially this last year. I mean, the, the Packers' defense finished right around where the Bears' defense finished. Obviously, the Bears were a little disappointing, but, I mean, he's done some nice developmental things. And, again, I, I think it's kind of one of those things sometimes, you know, it's kind of one of those what-have-you-done-for-me-now kind of leagues in, in a sport as a whole where, you know, Mike Patton was viewed as a top-end defensive mind um, even after he got fired by the Browns and when he was, you know, coming back looking for a defensive coordinator job, he was a hot name on the market. The same thing with Gus Bradley. And then obviously the Bears ended up holding on to Vic Fangio and it didn't end up being an issue. But I think a lot of people forget that, you know, Mike Pettin is widely regarded as a good defensive mind. And, and, and Mike Nagy pointed out yesterday, I mean, this is he's going to be a sounding boardy. I mean, he has a lot of experience. He's a good defensive-minded coach, and you get another guy in there that kind of has the same ties as to what what Desai's already been dealing with and coaching under with Fangio and, and Pagano and stuff like that. You just have another guy in there that has the experience to where you know if Desai is going to sit up in the in the box, you know now all of a sudden you got Petten who can be down on the field or who, who can be in the box with him in his ear, helping him out, you know, going over film, different things like that, uh, you know, during the you know getting getting prepped for each game or in the offseason, whatever it may be. I mean, I think especially with a young guy like Desai, where in in a lot of ways, I mean, he became a fast riser just because he went from, you know, all the different quality controls and different stuff that he was doing. And all of a sudden he was like an assistant, you know, what, what was it, safeties or secondary or whatever it was before he got this job. I mean, he's one of those guys that we could see kind of like a Brandon Staley where he's a really smart guy. He knows football really well. He's got a lot of good influence. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you know, it's, it's good to have veteran presence around you that have done it before. And maybe, you know, maybe Patton never gets a defensive coordinator job again, but you know, I I do think that this, it makes a lot of sense because like Nagy pointed out, you know, it's one of those things that there's not a lot of ego involved, which is good. It helps, uh, you know, it, it helps the transition overall and Nagy and Patton have a good, you know, they already have a good rapport. I mean, they've, they've been friends, whatever, you know, they've, they've worked together. And it's kind of one of those things, too, just to kind of keep in mind. Let's just say things do get righted. The Bears defense gets, you know, back on track. The Bears add the right quarterback, and all of a sudden they become a perennial playoff team each year again. You're probably going to see Desai go somewhere else. I mean, he's probably going to end up getting a head coaching job at some point, maybe not next year, but maybe in a year or two. And maybe Petten's a guy that can step in and fill the defensive coordinator position when he leaves. Who knows? I mean, there's just all kind of things to keep in mind. But, I, you know, I think that I'm not a huge Petten fan by any means, but I do think there's a lot of value in having somebody like that in the room, especially with a guy who's never actually been a coordinator before. Yeah, I mean, it can't really hurt, honestly, <laughs> you know, to have another mind in that room. Um, especially with the first-year defensive coordinator, will definitely help. 
Uh, was there anything else that stood out in the press conference to you, Aaron? Uh, I'm kind of, you know, like we said earlier, it was just not a lot of substance, nothing really new um, other than, you know, a couple injury updates and stuff like in the new coaching hires. Was there anything else that stood out to you? No, not really. I, you know, the one name that I am curious to see what they do with over the next few weeks, well, really special teams as a whole, but Cairo Santos, that that yeah. is going to be the name – you know, obviously, a lot of people have been focused on Trubisky, quarterback, Allen Robinson, but he's going to be a name that, you know, it, it just a special teams as a whole, because if you look at the roster right now, they don't have a long snapper, they don't have a punter, and they don't have a kicker. And Eddie Pinheiro is a restricted free agent. They're not going to give him an original round tender, because that would cost them about $2.2 million. They're not going to do that. So, it's going to be very interesting that, and then also the lack of commitment uh, one way or another to both Kyle Fuller and Akeem Hicks. If I had to guess, I think Kyle Fuller is going to end up getting extended, and they're going to end up being all kind of because he's got a twenty million dollar cap hit, and they can save quite a bit of money by just kind of moving things around. I mean, obviously they still need him here if they can get the number down. Akeem Hicks is definitely going to be another interesting one, but yeah, I think my main real focus is, you know, they finally get the kicking situation figured out. And all of a sudden, we really haven't heard much about it. He hasn't gotten an extension. Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the kickers that have been signing new deals are getting right around three and a half to four and a half million dollars a year. I think if the Bears can do a two, three year deal with, you know, a, you know, a, a reasonable guarantee, I think it's well worth their time to do so. But again, I mean, outside of him just kind of name dropping a few guys, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of talk, especially with special teams and what they plan on doing. Yeah, and, you know, with that special teams, you look at it and it would just make all the sense to bring back Patrick Scales, bring back Kyra Santos, or bring back Pat O'Donnell. I think, you know, Scales and O'Donnell take up a one-year deal. They're not going to be expensive. You know, you, you can get your long snap and your punter there. And to see them finally figure out the kicker situation and then, you know, not really do anything, um, <laughs> do anything with Cairo Santos would just be a complete disaster. I, I think Santos has earned it. I wrote um, in my Hold'em Fold'em. It was pretty much the easiest Hold'em or Fold'em article I've ever have, had written for the Bear Report. It was, I could not find a legit case to not re-sign him other than maybe, you know, they don't have cap space because they have to go after other free agents and they just want to draft a rookie kicker and restart. And even then, that's a little far-fetched. So it just, dude, I mean, it makes all the sense to bring back Cairo Santos. And if, you know, and look at it this way, if you bring him back in a one or two year deal and he's not very good next year, you have options. You can go out and try to find a kicker again. But for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, that's probably not going to be their problem anyway. So, yeah, I, it just makes sense to bring back Cairo Santos. And then with the Fuller and Hicks, you know, I, I still think both will be back. I think Ryan Pace had that comment of we want to keep our good players on our roster and our defense is a strength. And I don't think he's going to do or he's in any position right now to touch that defense and kind of let go of some key players, no matter how much cap space it could save him. I think the cap space moves we're going to see are the ones that you and I and the rest of, of, of Bears fans and writers have talked about, you know, with one of the tackles, likely Massey. Um, you could cut Jimmy Graham. They already cut Buster Screen. Moves like that where you can kind of free up some cap space. I, I just I think Pace will have to get creative, like you said. Move some money in Kyle Fuller's deal if you have to. I really don't believe he'll be a trade candidate at all this year, and I don't think Akeem Hicks is going to go um, anywhere either. But, you know, that's something we could talk about next week because um, we're going to have our free agency preview on the next episode of the Bear Report podcast. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. 
And you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode previewing free agency as things start to kind of ramp up here in March. It's going to be a very busy March and a very, very busy April. Um, as the NFL, as the, oh, my goodness. As the NFL offseason, a new league year here gets started. So until next week, everyone, please stay safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.